Have you read Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown's recent book offering? It was a book club offering in our Homeschool Mama book club last year, and I've noticed a recent resurgence in many of your Instagram stories. I love Brené Brown. There is something so powerful about authenticity and vulnerability and really owning our lives. And I didn't learn that the easy way, as most people don't, but I definitely didn't. Back in, I don't know, the third year into homeschooling, when I speak about my story, my very first story of homeschool overwhelm, it was a TEDx talk by Brene Brown that helped to shift things for me. She's had a giant impact on my homeschool, but also just my life in general. She helped me understand that I needed to identify my needs, that I had needs, that I had to identify my needs, to build boundaries, to address my big emotions, to play all out in my life. Any of those things sound familiar? Things that I'm repeatedly speaking to? Today, I'm pleased to share with you the things that I learned from Brene Brown in her recent book, Atlas of the Heart. But first, I want to welcome you to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, the Homeschool Life Coach at CapturingTheCharmedLife.com. This season is dedicated to you if you want to shed what's not working in your homeschool and life so you can show up in your homeschool and life authentically, purposefully, and confidently. On today's episode, we're going to discuss Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, and how a few of her thoughts and ideas can influence and inform our homeschool lives. So this past weekend, when our family was driving one of our girls to the airport to fly across the country to go back to her college program, you can imagine I had all the feels. I actually think this is a point of motherhood that doesn't get enough discussion the moments that our children launch into the next part of their lives. And we could come at it from the perspective of discussing our kids' experience in that moment, but obviously this is a podcast focused on the mom's experience. And I can tell you from mom's experience, it's really big. This wasn't the first time this particular daughter has launched into the world and done her thing. In fact, I think it's probably two or three times that I've sent her across the country. And it's kind of got easier-ish in that I know how to address the moment and how to deal with my big emotions, but it's pretty hard. It's kind of a grief, a loss of how I like it to be. I never thought that I'd be the kind of mom that would say, you can live in my house forever, (laughs) but I am. (laughs) I, I would do that in a heartbeat, even though that's not really my goal. But I was feeling more than grief or loss. I was also looking at the next chapter of her life and excited for her, the things she's going to learn. Oh, the places she will go. I saw myself objectively. I was feeling all the feels. More than one feeling at a time. Those two predominate though, the excitement of her next chapter and the grief 
at the fact that she's going away again and she doesn't get to be with me all the time. I've learned that humans hold more than one emotion often at the same time. We're experiencing more than one thing. I've also learned how to hold my big emotions when I'm feeling the feelings that I'm having. So another daughter and my husband both knew that we weren't leaving that airport until I watched that plane lift off. (laughs) So that's one way that I hold my emotions and that I acknowledge that this is how I'm feeling. I'm sad at this and I really don't want to leave her in security. And so I sit on the other side of security and text her until she flies off. And then I accept that, okay, this doesn't feel great. And yet I'm also excited for her. And I allow myself to feel all the feelings. Now, I know that all of you are not necessarily launching your kids into the grown-up years yet. And maybe you are, maybe you have a few at home still. I've got a couple still, one graduating this year. So I get to do it all over again for the third time. So the years when I was homeschooling all four of my kids at the same time, and there was so much going on, and there were so many feelings, not just mine, but all of theirs. I've shared this story. When I felt burned out for the first time, it was at this time of year, what we might call slump month. And though I truly wanted to homeschool my kids and give them a life that would enable so much more freedom and an individualized education, I also wanted quiet and I wanted separate time. And I wanted to feel like I was doing this thing good enough, even when there were days that I didn't show up the way that I wanted. I got angry or reactive in a way that I didn't want. Some days I didn't feel like I had the energy to do the homeschool routine or the philosophy that I'd chosen or the curriculum that I'd purchased the way that I wanted. It didn't feel like I was doing it good enough. Some days I just wanted to burrow into the family room with my kids and watch documentaries all day and maybe do a read aloud in the afternoon with a cup of tea and just hang out. I was holding a lot of feelings at the same time. And over the course of time, and a lot of digging deep into what's going on inside here, I'm pointing to my head and my heart, and practicing self-compassion strategies that I discovered through, oh, I don't know, books, friends, therapy, using these basic tools to embrace all of my big emotions. I now know what to do when I'm feeling frustrated or angry. I know what to do when I'm feeling guilty, I know how to deal with that feeling of grief or a sense of loss, and I know what to do when I'm not feeling good enough. I am by no means suggesting that I am a robotic homeschool mama that doesn't feel her feelings or just like turns something on, then turns it off, goes into a different gear automatically. No, there's moments where I have to check myself or someone else has to say something to me and go, hey, so I don't think this seems right. Maybe you need to address what's going on in here. Again, pointing to my head and heart. But I'll tell you that the things that I've learned about my big emotions, a lot of them can be found in this book, Atlas of the Heart. Brene Brown's concepts have even been validated by research, which of course I love. 
So naturally, I would choose for the Homeschool Mama Book Club a book called Atlas of the Heart. So welcome to the episode where we consider how Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, might influence your homeschool. And if you've already bought Brene Brown's book, if you've already read her book or listened to it on an audio offering, before you listen to my take on this book, I would love it if you would shoot me a message to tell me how it impacted you. Once upon a time, I didn't have clarity about who I was and what my needs were as a burned out homeschool mama. I knew I didn't want to be homeschooling anymore. I knew I was done with managing interpersonal conflict. I was tired of being harangued by kids wanting something other than what I was offering. I was tired of forcing kids to homeschool and hoping they'd be motivated. What I didn't understand was that a very large part of why I was dealing with that was because I didn't have a sense of myself and had no idea I was supposed to factor in my own needs alongside my homeschool mom role. Maybe in theory, you could have asked me then what I did for myself, and this is what I might have answered. I might have said I went to Starbucks every Wednesday night for a pumpkin spice latte and a scone and wrote my heart out. I wrote why I loved homeschooling. I wrote why I didn't. I wrote how kid interactions were exhausting me, what wasn't working, and how I wish it was different. But also, how it was better than the school lifestyle I understood previously. This act of regular Starbucksing, we'll use that as a verb, was keeping my head above water, surviving, but not thriving, as they say. Because that friend of mine introduced me to Brene Brown's initial TED Talk, her very first one, that discussion, whatever it was Brene Brown spoke to, changed my life. Like, actually, it did. So in parentheses, if you happen to know Brene Brown, please send her my way. I'd be delighted to have a chat with her in my closet. Probably would need to take something for my anxiety if I actually got to chat with her. But if you know her, please let me know. I can hope. I can hope. Okay, I digress. Let's go back to the topic. So was I interested in learning how Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, might influence my homeschool? Yeah, girl. I was. Here are the six things that have informed my homeschool through her book. Okay, so Brene Brown says, to form meaningful connections with others, we must first connect with ourselves. But to do either, we must first establish a common understanding of the language of emotion and human experience. This right here is the heart of self-compassion and the heart of knowing how to connect and relate to others. We need to know what we actually feel. We can spend our lives disconnected from what we really feel, and people do. But we can still instinctively and defensively react to our feelings because we're still feeling feelings, and we respond to them unconsciously or consciously anyway. When we get connected to our feelings, when we identify them and learn what they're telling us, we grow in greater insight. We become kinder to ourselves and naturally, therefore, also respond more kindly to others. And you can see how that would be a benefit in our homeschools. 
like it or not, being a human means we feel all the feelings, like every one of them. And those feelings create a soundtrack to our life experiences. So I ask you right now, as you're listening to this podcast episode, what are you feeling? I'm going to stop a moment and ask for us to just take a deep breath right from our bellies, maybe three or four beats of breath and hold it for a couple beats and exhale. So what comes up for you? What are you feeling right now? And where are you feeling it? Are you presently having some big uncomfortable feelings about this entire podcast episode? Or is something going on during the day that's compelling the feelings you've had? Or is it just pleasant hanging out with me while we do the laundry together? Okay, you're doing the laundry, but I'm kind of probably doing it with you too, right? Yeah, that reminds me, I've got laundry to do. But that is an always present thing. So anyways, I digress again. I have three special episodes dedicated to Big Emotions for the Homeschool Mama, which you can find in the show notes on my episode page on my website, capturingthecharmlife.com. And why? Because I think this discussion is huge. How to address your big emotions. When we come up with a plan for this stuff, it doesn't mean that you become that robot homeschool mom. It just means you have a plan and you know how to engage all the feels. Okay, so the second thing that I learned from Brene Brown comes through this quote. The near enemy of love is attachment. Attachment masquerades as love. It says, I will love this person because I need something from them. Or I'll love you if you'll love me back. I'll love you, but only if you will be the way I want. This is not the fullness of love. Instead, there's attachment, maybe clinging and fear. True love allows, honors, and appreciates. Attachment grasps, demands, needs, and aims to possess. Before I share my thoughts on how this might apply to our homeschools, would you write a note in your phone or grab a pen and journal and write what your thoughts might be and how that would influence your homeschool? I'll assume you pause that and I'll go on. Naturally, we attach when we love someone. We can relate symbiotically to the benefit of both of us and the other person, you and me. But we can also attach ourselves to someone because we feel too insecure without them. I know from my experience, this is the story of my life. I say that a lot. There's a lot of stories. But this is a significant story in my life of attaching unhealthily. We feel unsafe. We feel insecure without someone. Sometimes it's hard to see which is the baseline for the relationship. Is it healthy attachment or is it unhealthy attachment? 
we can spend years in relationship not realizing that we're relating unhealthily together. Oh, there's signs. We're definitely getting signs if it's conflict or frustration or dissatisfaction. But we can also be very practiced in ignoring all those things. Just because we're attached doesn't mean we are genuinely, authentically loving someone else or being genuinely, authentically loved by them. And we can know that there's some inconsistency in that if there's a sense of clinging or fear inside of us. If we see ourselves grasping or making demands or requiring someone to satisfy our needs or aiming to possess someone. Now, you can see how this might relate in our family relationships, whether that be with a partner or with a parent or with someone in an adult peer relationship, or at least it seems really clear to me on that level. But how does it relate with our homeschooled kids? Okay. Also story of my life. It is that because I didn't have a healthy attachment from the get-go, which I've learned is not unusual, Even if you define yourself as coming from a healthy family background, we still have insecure attachments at times or insecure moments of attachment. And so there's sometimes an uncertainty or insecurity inside of us from certain moments in our background. And because we have that insecure attachment and because we want a beautiful, lovely life for us and our homeschooled kids, but mostly we'd say our homeschooled kids, because we're offering our kids so many good things, we expect that they will return gratefulness. Now hear me out. I know that you're not every morning when you're in your journal sharing a gratitude and you know declaring how grateful you are for your life and then closing your journal, going to make breakfast for the kids and asking them, how are you grateful for me? Probably you're not. And yet, I know I don't appreciate hearing kids squabble over some, as I said in the last episode, quote unquote, inane things. Now, you can call me judgmental as a mom, or you can deeply identify with what I just said, that there are times where I don't want to hear conflict over the front seat who's going to sit in the front seat on the way into town when I am stopping what I'm doing in the day to bring a child into town to do their activity. So I certainly don't want them to be ungrateful for what I'm doing, which might be the counter of grateful. And yet they're having their experience and it's not inane. They want to feel like they're important or they just want to sit in the front seat and it's important to them. So So if I'm expecting them to just be happy with the opportunity to go to town or happy that they're being brought to an extracurricular activity or they should just not complain about this or not argue about that or have a disagreement about something or have a big emotion themselves, well, it would turn out that that all reflects not real love, but some unhealthy attachment. I love you if you love me back. True love allows, honors, and appreciates. We're learning as homeschool moms to maintain genuine connections with other people, including our kids, 
and still be our separate selves. P.S. This is a concept in the therapy world called self-differentiation if you want to look up and learn more. The third thing I learned from Atlas of the Heart comes from this quote. I am responsible for holding you accountable in a respectful and productive way. I'm not responsible for your emotional reaction to that accountability. Sometimes we see behavior in our kids that we don't want to see. We probably anticipate that as adults, it won't be functional. We know they won't benefit their relationships or their future activities if they show up like that. And yet, we can't make them change. Oh, we will surely try at times, and I surely have. We are homeschool moms, and we know that we're imprinting them and influencing and coaching them, and we deeply care. And yet we'll also discover that we're not in control of how they engage. When we're reactive towards their behavior, we set up a dynamic of power challenge. And girls, some of our kids gladly will take on that power challenge. And there will be more reactivity. You react to them reacting. They react to you reacting. And it's just all not useful. That dynamic never feels good, and it doesn't help our kids learn what they need to learn. I cannot discuss this concept without saying, girl, if that's you, it's been me. It's been me. So many times it's been me, and I did not see this at all. But when we know that a behavior that they're taking on really isn't useful for them or for their relationships, that they really shouldn't be practicing a behavior that might be self-destructive one day, that they really need a boundary. Then we have to practice enacting that boundary in whatever way fits in that moment over and over and over, because it's always going to be over and over and over, until the boundary is familiar to them. And allowing them to have an emotional reaction in the way that they choose. I can choose to be angry or sad or unhappy or shamed or distracted or confused by their reaction, but I can also not react in an unhealthy way myself, or at least I can practice not doing it. It is a choice. Sometimes it feels so instinctive we can almost feel like it's not a conscious choice because we're so accustomed to engaging in a behavior pattern, but it is a choice. I know how challenging this is. I also know that whatever they're feeling may be does not mean I am responsible for that feeling, but I must be responsible to allow their feelings. From one homeschool mama to another, I want you to hear something really important. You are a human being that happens to homeschool, and human beings have emotions. Stating the obvious right there, right? But for a reason. I know we have great expectations, and though I might self-crown as the queen of great expectations, we could have a competition. I'm going to go with, I am not the only queen of great expectations. 
We don't want to just do the homeschool thing good enough. We want to do it perfectly. But I hear from a lot of you that the concept of I don't feel good enough is rampant. Like, I think it's more rampant than COVID. I've heard from you that if you make a mistake in relating to your kids, if you miss their needs or don't recognize their needs, if you recognize years later that you didn't trust them as you should, you feel guilty. I have definitely heard that you don't necessarily know how to deal with your anger or frustration when your kiddo has big emotions and you know you're making it worse in how you react. This was definitely me. Or that you can't put a finger on it, but there are too many things going on and everything feels too much. This is a common experience of overwhelm. I hear you want to show up as your best self. Rather than your tried and true, but not functional patterns. And you've truly tried so many things, but nothing feels like it's quite getting to the heart of what you're dealing with. And I've heard you understand that more is caught than taught in how you engage your kids. And it concerns you. So I'm excited to offer group coaching to help build self-compassion strategies into you. So you can do this homeschool thing the way you want to. So you can do this homeschool thing confidently, purposefully, and authentically. You can find out more about this group coaching opportunity by messaging me on Facebook, Instagram, or over at my website, capturingthecharmlife.com. I'll soon be offering a free Facebook class on self-compassion for the homeschool mom, and presently am offering on my website and in all the social media places a big emotions audit that might help you consider where your challenges may lie. Now back to the episode. The fourth thing I learned from Brene Brown comes through this quote. In fact, she says, research shows that the process of labeling our emotional experiences is related to greater emotional regulation and psychosocial well-being. Okay, so let's unpack that. I would love to understand why research shows that just by the mere act of saying, this is how I feel, this is my experience, is related to greater emotional regulation and a sense of well-being and how we relate to others. I assume that something shifts in our brains as we practice self-awareness, but that's just my first thought. With or without research, I have seen it in myself and I've seen it in others that when I identify how I feel, identify how my body feels, and able to succinctly, like precisely describe my feelings with clarity, I feel less overwhelmed by those feelings. This is the same when I'm asking my child how they're feeling, where they feel what they're feeling, and asking them to give words to their feelings. I've also learned that those intense feelings don't last. They always pass, no matter how intense they may be. Like clouds in the sky, like a weather system on the weather radar, the intense feelings we experience will pass. Identifying my feelings helps teach me a little bit more about myself too. You'd think that we would know all about ourselves, but we don't stop to actually get to know ourselves. I'm able to more clearly identify what I need, to consider how I can go about asking 
for what I need. I'm more able to create boundaries where I may need them. Here's what you can do to build self-awareness into your homeschool routine. My favorite self-awareness strategy is this. Schedule a mindful moment into your phone, iPod. Do they have iPods anymore? I just recently got a phone. Yes, I did. Believe it or not. Anyways, I digress again. So schedule a mindfulness moment into your device. When the alarm rings, stop, breathe, and ask yourself, how am I feeling? Then I ask myself, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? What are the thoughts behind my feelings? And what's the story I'm telling myself? Because there's always a story I'm telling myself. We don't just feel feelings. We're like, oh, I'm alarmed. I should be afraid. I should be worried. I should be concerned. We're always telling ourselves stories. By the way, in Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, she has a solid discussion on all the different feelings. And it could be used as a journaling opportunity each morning for you to get a little more familiar with yourself. And actually, just as a side thought that I didn't actually plan to share with you, I've created a Big Emotions Toolbox. It's a journaling workbook for you to get clearer on your feelings. And you could use a couple of those questions each morning and answer the questions to get yourself a little more clear. Obviously, it has more of a homeschool focus. Here's what you could do. As Brene Brown discussed each of the feelings in her book, you could stop, write the feeling in your journal, and ask yourself when you typically are feeling that feeling. Then expand that feeling into a story of the first time that you felt that feeling. Self-awareness is our goal. Recently, I shared an article about mindfulness practices for the homeschool mama, which you can also find on my website. Just type it into the search bar, mindfulness. The fifth way Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart influenced my homeschool comes through this quote. When I'm prioritizing being liked over being free, I was much sweeter, but less authentic. Now I'm kinder and less judgmental, but also firmer and more solid, occasionally salty. The homeschool lifestyle encourages us to live our lives intentionally in a way that is off the beaten path, wouldn't you say? Outside the scope of a typical North American family path and outside the scope of a typical family. And this off the beaten path approach compels us to strengthen the muscle of being different. Which, when you strengthen that muscle of being different, it turns out you become more independent. Something we often speak to are hopes for our children to become more independent. Different people compel family and friends to ask why they're homeschooling. Why do you need to be different? Why do you need to take your kids out of an organized educational system? It's good enough. I teach in it. I'm an administrator in it. I'm working inside it. It looks good enough to me. Or why do you have to do things a different way? That's just about you doing things differently. Or aren't you disadvantaging your kids by doing things differently? Aren't you disabling their socialization? Don't get me started. 
Aren't you taking on too much responsibility for your kids? With all these questions, we have to ask ourselves how we're going to respond to those questions. We could respond defensively, and we do. Or we could own our choices, own our voices, and confidently, comfortably respond with matter-of-fact answers if it necessitates. And when we do, we grow in accepting others' choices for their families and their kids too. We also grow a whole lot clearer on why we're doing what we're doing. So you do you, girlfriend. The sixth way Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart influences my homeschool and the final way that I'm going to share with you. When someone shares their hopes and dreams with us, we're witnessing deep courage and vulnerability. Celebrating their successes is easy, but when disappointment happens, it's an incredible opportunity for meaningful connection. So here are my thoughts. Homeschooling is a whole lot more satisfying when we share the journey authentically and vulnerably with others. I've been privileged to connect with real homeschool mamas that want to show up on purpose in their homeschools and lives. I've been privileged to listen to their hearts, treasured stories, their hard stories, sometimes bittersweet stories, sometimes just bitter stories, and also the life stories that have informed their choice to homeschool and just how they're doing life. And I've learned that there is nothing more beautiful than listening to their hearts and helping them clarify why they're doing what they're doing and growing toward their own freedom and purpose in this life, in their homeschools and in their lives outside their homeschools. Girlfriend, I might be the most benefited out of everyone that I chat with, that I get to share those meaningful connections with them. Where it doesn't benefit me is when I go to a Christmas party or some sort of event with a lot of people because I don't know how to be superficial. (laughs) So there might be a side disadvantage. Maybe. So if you've hung out with me for this long, I'm going to guess that some of the lessons from Brene Brown's book may have impacted you. And I would love to hear how they have. So connect with me. Thanks for joining me today. It means a lot to me to hear from you. You can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, the Patreon support group, or my website, capturingthecharmlife.com. Shoot me a message with your thoughts, ideas, or questions. And if you can invest a minute in me, could you leave a review on Apple Podcasts? If you grab your phone, find my podcast, and go to the bottom of the page, you'll see a button where you can write a review, it says. And when you do this, you're sending a message to the algorithm to let Ms. Algorithm know that she can share the podcast with other homeschool families because other homeschool families might be interested. I so appreciated hearing from Dina in the last week. She was sharing in her email community, for the homeschool mamas out there, I am loving Teresa Wiedrich's work all about nurturing ourselves in the process. She's the best mix of grounded and woo-woo for me. I love that, that's so funny. Grounded and woo-woo. And as a homeschooling mom of four, she's got some epic wisdom to share. Teresa asks great questions and has beautiful journal prompts if that's your thing, and a soothing and inspiring podcast. 
Season 5, Episode 1 is here, all about showing up authentically, confidently, and purposefully. Thank you so much, Dina, for sharing that. And she already knows that I just love her too, and so appreciate the work that she does with the women in her community. If you want to support me in the work that I do, I would be so grateful for that. You can do that at patreon.com homeschool mama self care. When you do this, you have a special invitation to have two hours of monthly support for whatever you need in your homeschool and have that at just $10 a month, around $10 a month, depends if you're Canadian or American. You can find that at patreon.com slash homeschool mama self care. I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your homeschool family until next week. I hope that you, and your kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You've got this, girlfriend.